listening to the Uloft podcast presented by United IUP, a community of college students and young adults in Indiana, Pennsylvania, who are dedicated to unite with each other and Christ to change the world around us. We hope that this podcast raises questions and answers others while ultimately starting a conversation to discover unifying biblical truth in this chaotic world. Welcome to the Uloft podcast. This is Michael Bond, and I'm joined today by Caleb Fugate and Julia Buggy. What's happening? Hey, guys. So today we are starting our We Need a King series on the Uloft podcast to sort of keep in tandem with what's going on at United. I just happened to preach on that. Yes, yes. You sure did. That's probably why I'm here. That's probably why I'm here. It was a really good start to the series, and so hopefully hey, we can dig in and unpack a little bit about what we talked about at United and also some other things. So the first thing that I want to talk about is how this this We Need a King idea is sort of a reference to 1 Samuel chapter mm-hmm. 8 mm-hmm. and the idea of Israel not being satisfied with God as their king and wanting a human king to sort of fulfill the roles that God was fulfilling uh, before. Mm-hmm. And so the first question that I have for you is, what are some areas in your own life where you've noticed yourself wanting to prioritize human leadership over God's leadership, mm-hmm. where you sort of turn to humans first before you think about turning to God? Hmm. And if you need some time to think about this, I'll actually answer this first. For me, it's pretty easy. For me, it's situations that involve getting paid, possibly. Mm. And it sounds crazy, but I think this is the case for a lot of people. And the idea is that if I think something is going to be good for my job prospects Mm -hmm. and I have a leader that tells me it will be, then I tend to prioritize that advice maybe over what I feel called to be doing. Mm. And so I'm making sort of a compromise there because I'm interested in the financial gain and in the career gain and the career advancement. Well, I mean, like they say all the time, and um, I was literally just prior to, you know, recording this, I was on a Zoom meeting with uh, my undergraduate Mm -hmm. uh, class there, and someone was talking about it's not what you know, it's who you know kind of deal, and it's like, people can take you very far. At least we think, though. And and truth be told, like, they can, but ultimately it's like, you know, are they leading you to the places that God wants you to go, as opposed to leading it where you just happen to want to go? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we parsed part and parcel that all the time particularly well for sure for sure julia do you have any mm. sense of of where where i've gone to people first as king mm-hmm. relationships or like um instead of so relationships is one area where i struggle to allow god to be king just because of the way that um some of my life has played out and um unanswered unexpected things have happened so like when I feel like God's not doing a good job of maybe answering that part of my life I run to other people hey what do you think of this person Mm. or like there was a period of time where like my grandma and my mom and my aunt everybody was like trying to play matchmaker for me and then I immediately (laughs) had that like that mindset of like oh well does my what does my family think what do Mm -hmm. my friends think and if it checks all the boxes like okay, God, what do you and I think? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. that's one where I always tend to go to other people first because 
there just have been times in my life where I'm like, God, you're not doing a good job here and you're not operating the way I want you to operate. So I'm going to go seek people first. So anytime I'm struggling emotionally with relationships, et cetera, I almost have to physically stop myself and be like, okay, God, let me go to you first. Let's wrestle with this for a little bit. And like, maybe I don't need to get every mother, brother, sister, uncle's opinion on it. Mm -hmm. So... I'm impressed that you get your uncle's opinions. Yeah, me too. Now you know how big the problem really is. No, I don't get my uncle's opinion. My uncle Lenny could probably care less, honestly. Yeah. He's a he's a woodsman. He, he just loves to be outside. Yeah. He doesn't want to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I think about it, that's another area where I tend to prioritize mm -hmm. human leadership, particularly my own leadership, is mm -hmm. in areas that are like really close to the heart, mm -hmm. where yeah. the vulnerability is. And right particularly if I think that, you know, a certain path forward is the right one when really the path that God wants me to take is just going to hurt me. It's just, it's just going to hurt me. And um, <laughs> that's okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we're in Michael's office here with great audio and great well, acoustics. It's awesome. And my phone just went off and I know the microphone picked it up. So <laughs> my sincere apologies, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. The um, blooper reels. Right. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Um, anyway, yes, like situations like that where I'm just trying to protect myself or mm -hmm. situations where sometimes it happens in areas where I feel like I have a particular uh, amount of expertise myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if I think, oh, I'm, I'm a hot shot at this topic, I'm just going to follow my own advice mm -hmm. first. I'm right. going to turn to myself first uh, before being prayerful about it. Or yep. I might even run into situations where... I see obvious instruction in scripture and I'm I'm just like, well, maybe I'm misunderstanding that scripture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe I maybe yep. I should <laughs> <laughs> I'm disbelieving it. Well, it's interesting, you know, one of the I think what's hard about this is like scripture often talks about making sure you have wise counsel around you. Right. It's like we're it's not that we're not supposed to go to people. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like trusting God to put the right people in front of you who you need right. to be talking to and having the wisdom from God to know who should be giving you counsel and mm -hmm. who should not, right? Um, so it's probably not, like, bad counsel for, no. you know, in, in a lot of ways. Um, but we just don't, like, we don't do that very often, I think, to, yeah. to, like, okay, God, I don't feel like I'm hearing from you right now. Mm -hmm. Like, put someone in my life that is speaking your truth, right? Like, we don't even do that very often. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's so important that we miss out on because it's just, like, I don't, part of it is because I don't hear all the time from God, it seems like, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So it yeah. makes it challenging. Yeah, I think that Christians can, <clears throat> when they're trying to get a message from God, they can, they can tend towards being prayerful before thinking about, well, maybe he's trying to speak to me through other people who right. are already yeah. around me. Mm -hmm. And so if they're not able to get like a feeling through their own personal self-reflection or prayer, then they mm -hmm. think, well, God's just not communicating with me on right. this. But in fact, there's been people brought into your life that are trying to communicate yeah. and mm -hmm. like, who's to say that God's not working through them. Right. I think that's a healthy rank order, though, to be praying to God about it first and, yeah. like, actively actively listening and trying to figure it out. And if not, then default to wise right, counsel. Sure. Because there, I can tell which areas of my life I default immediately to people. Like I was saying, in 
uh, relationships, etc. But when it comes to like ministry or my future or what to do or finances, like I'll I'll switch up the order for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's the near and dear parts of the heart where it's like, take a back seat, God, I'll come to you later. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Did interesting. Yeah, I was gonna say it's interesting, especially. So we're gonna be talking about um, Samuel today, right? With mm-hmm. uh, when the Israelites show up on the scene and, and you know, they we made it through the book of Judges and things have not gone well for them and they mm-hmm. screw up over and over and over and over again. Um, and not just, like, little screw-ups, like, royal... Like, if you want... Um, I'll say this. The Bible is not boring and if you don't believe me, go <laughs> read the last, like, four chapters of Judges. It's brutal. It's, like, horrifically brutal, yeah. but it is not boring. And, like, it's the like those four chapters give like a are like the epitome of what happens when we don't go to god mm-hmm. first right and, mm-hmm. and israel was trying to live it out on their own and god kept sending these judges who are all like terribly flawed people do it but eventually they get to the point where it's like well we want to be like everyone else give us a king and they don't go to god first but they go to samuel first because they did believe that he was a wise man and mm-hmm. samuel was a wise man and was kind of the priest of the area but they didn't say hey samuel go to god for us they said hey samuel pick a king for us mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. and so they find this guy who happens to be just really tall and that was their qualifications <laughs> that's it Saul was a tall dude <laughs> and now he's king look, which look means I guy. will probably never be king because I'm not particularly tall no, Julia not you even, will never be I'm queen not even close <laughs> but it's like they went to wisdom but they went out of order like yeah. you said like you know and because yeah. of that they get bit in the butt that was something that struck me particularly about that chapter and just the idea of we need a king in general is that God was closer to Israel than he was to these other nations, you know, in yep. the sense that his prophet was right there among them. And mm-hmm. yet they wanted to be like the other nations, despite the fact that he was closer to them than he was to the other nations. Yep. So they were almost being called away from God and towards idolatry of human beings and human leadership and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting. And I think it's part and parcel of what we experience today. I mean, oh, yeah. a, a lot of the little... Uh, mini totalitarians that are rising up out of the 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 vacuum of moral relativism and tr- and trying to say okay this is the way we're supposed to live and yeah. if you don't mm-hmm. if you don't agree with me you're canceled right these these little yeah, kings yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, these little kings that are rising up it it seems like a lot of people are interested in following people like that because it gives them something else to follow than God right. they, they can it's a way for them to turn away from God right. and stay away from the well it's interesting because like you know. I think we as humans, and I think this was part of God's doing, we're designed in a way to want a king in all forms and fashions. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, whether we make it of ourselves or not, like we are just like driven to have someone to follow, someone to look at, someone to say they're getting it right. And if I do what they do, I'll be okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, whether it's, you know, from whatever cultures that you find yourself in, there's always some sort of leader. Um, and those leaders always have other leaders and it's like, you know, I think God instilled in us, but we often either make ourselves king, which I do far more often than I probably should be, or, um, we make other people's king that aren't God, but it is like from the beginning, God had created us as humans to be just like that. Right. So when Adam and Eve are on the scene, it's like God wanted to rule all of earth with Adam and Eve, but they're still subject to him. Right. And it wasn't some like, you know, we think of kingships as, you know, cause our history of Kings in the world isn't typically that great. Um, like King Henry the eighth, not a great role model, but that's like what we think of when we think of a <laughs> King or like the queen of England. Right. right yeah. Monarchs. Um, mm-hmm. monarchs, um, 
often not great people, malevolent in nature often, where it's like the king that God would have been, um, though he puts like rules and regulations on Israel, it's like anytime that God is in the midst of Israel and even requires rules and regulations, like they thrive and are blessed. And we as humans like thrive and bless even in the midst of the, but we don't, we don't want to because that's just hard and I like to do things my own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of enjoy the fact too, like you see a lot of God's grace, you know, in the sense that he's warning them, look, you don't need a king. You have me. You really don't want a king. These things are going to happen go to you well. if you have a king. <laughs> and they say, no, we want a king. We want a king. And then those things happen to them. But then he brings them David, you know, and then he yep. gifts Solomon with, with the wisdom and mm-hmm. the prosperity. And so he's giving them grace all along throughout that process, even though they're doing it the way they want to do it instead of the way that he intends for them right. to do it. And I mm-hmm. think that happens in our own lives a lot, right? I mean, there's been lots of times where I've chosen my own path and tried to walk down it and did what I thought was right for myself. And I might be starting off opposed to what God wants me to do, but he's still walking with me mm-hmm. on that path and giving me little yeah. gifts of grace all along. Yeah. And I mean, something that we talk a lot about in the Methodist tradition is the idea of prevenient grace. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm excited. Keep going. I'm excited. And uh, this this idea that um, even if you're even if you're not a believer and you have no idea, you don't know Christ at all, and you're walking through your life making all manner of bad decisions, that His Sorry grace is <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's it is like it's and. What's crazy is if you're listening to this and you're an unbeliever or you don't believe or you don't know Jesus, keep walking in the ways that you're walking. And someday, if you're fortunate enough to know Christ, you'll look back on those days and you'll see his grace written all over your life, yeah. mm-hmm. all over your history, yeah. all the little moments where you could have ended up in a bad spot and you right. didn't. You oh, know? Yeah. And it's really it's interesting because you don't notice that grace until after the fact yeah. when you're looking back because you don't know what grace is until after the fact mm-hmm. right and it's like mm-hmm. i i look back on my life and in the depths of total depravity and despair um within like a four-year span it's like somehow even in the midst of that i still got through college made it to grad school and stayed on the trajectory that led me here despite like every day making at least seven to 12 bad decisions mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that was not for the edification of my soul but for the exact opposite of that and it's like it is amazing to see like even in the midst of that that god carries through like you said like there were good kings even in the midst of like a crappy situation right mm-hmm. and, and you know i was preaching about this this past uh sunday because i have church on sundays yep <laughs> <laughs> checks out uh, <laughs> I was preaching on this this past Sunday. It's like, you know, we're living in a season right now where things are kind of crappy and not great, right? And Mm -hmm. people can't do what they want to do or have been used to doing and life is hard and people can't find work. And even in the midst of that, it's like little moments of life pop up. It's like Mm -hmm. my best friend got married. I have a niece now. And it's like even in the like midst of uh, despair, like flowers bloom, right? right? right. And like good things still happen, even though we don't expect them or often see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing too. Like if you're going through something difficult right now, one of the best things you can do is pay attention, pay attention to your surroundings and look for the little ways that God is trying to bring grace into your life. Because mm-hmm. it could be something as simple as like a really nice tasting cup of coffee on a nice morning. Oh, yes. oh every morning. What <laughs> that does for me speaks volumes. God will never, well, actually he does understand. Nobody else will ever understand what that does for my soul in the morning. We should have a coffee podcast. Honestly. Yeah, we, could, we, we have we lots could. of uh, outlets over here. We could set up a coffee pot. And... We could do Hey, it. let us know if you're listening to this, if you'd be interested in a coffee 
coffee podcast. I'd be all about it. We could talk I about could coffee. Talk coffee all day. Yeah. Yeah, and there would be nothing like... We could drink coffee. There'd be nothing quite as pleasant as listening to us sip coffee and high-definition sound. Um, <laughs> like ASMR. <laughs> Grind the coffee beans in here. <laughs> wow, we've gotten wildly off-topic. All right. Anyway, yes, Michael, the simple things. Keep it yes. going. Keep it yeah. going. You know, there was, um, so, so there's a, a woman, um, her name is Marie Monville, and I don't know if you guys remember this, but she was the wife of of the guy who went into the Amish school. I think this was in oh, like Eastern yeah, PA. Yeah, Eastern PA. Yep. yep. And she and he executed fourteen, I think, Amish kids. Young, yeah, young Amish kids. Oh, wow. And um she had just like this picturesque sort of life before that happened. And obviously that just destroyed everything for her. And one of the moments that she talks about in her book is when the Amish community she was uh she was at a funeral I imagine it might have been her husband's funeral. Because, yeah, because he took his own yeah, life. Yeah, he took his own words. life. And she wow, was... Wow, I didn't hear that. Okay. Yeah, it's a tragedy, but it's... it's She's a... There's a lot of redemption in it. Yeah. And uh, I think she was at his funeral, if I remember correctly, and the press was trying to get after her. The the paparazzi... Well, not paparazzi, but reporters. Yeah. Um, trying to give her difficult questions and that sort of thing. And the Amish community, like the parents and the grandparents, came out and made a little wall around her so that she could have her funeral in peace. Aww. And these were the same people whose kids were executed yeah. by yeah, her husband. They, like, they were like bringing her like meals and potlucks and things wow. like that right. all through. And like they would, yeah, I had a professor at, in my undergraduate who actually was like wrote a re- book on this very scene because he's actually, he's like studies Amish folk hmm. um, for his job, which is really interesting, but it's like the amount of grace and redemption that's found in that story is like absolutely beautiful. It's mm-hmm. like, like I remember reading the story of um, the mother of one of the Amish girls, and it's like like her just heartbreaking in that moment, but to be able to say like this woman's heart is breaking like mine is and mm-hmm. I need to do something about it, and I don't know what to do, but I know how to make food and we'll start there yeah. kind mm-hmm. of deal. Right, And it's like, you know, food is important but it's often a small thing that we overlook but for like her it was like the most beautiful Mm -hmm. thing that could have ever happened to her right yeah and like you were saying caleb those are those little flowers blooming out of really difficult situations and and even in the midst i mean it's not like these things were (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not like these things were um taking away the tragic nature of it and she probably Mm. you know was still crying herself to sleep at night a lot of nights but sometimes it doesn't sometimes you don't need the tragedy to be completely expunged from your life but you just need those little moments of grace mm-hmm. to get you through to yeah. get you through the next 10 minutes mm-hmm. and what's one of the things that psychologists teach you if you're going through something really difficult is to shorten your time frame so oh, yeah. Yeah. instead of thinking like okay i need to how am i going to get through the next three weeks or the next mm-hmm. year just think how am i going to get through the next 10 minutes because yeah. that's a much more manageable yeah. chunk oh yeah and right and so well and when we think of kings in particular it's like when you think of a kingship you think think 60 70 80 years and you can't frame it down but when we think of like jesus as particular as king like all of his moments and powerful moments with people five minutes it's like you know his mm-hmm. kingship revo- revolves around individual moments that happen like for sure yeah. you know alongside of each other but they're not he doesn't have a 60 year kingship he has, yeah. a, he has a one minute kingship with you and then he has one the next day and mm-hmm. then he has one the next day and it's like all of those together um i think speak to the love and like benevolence that he has as a king comparatively to what we associate with kings right right yeah i mean even in the gospels where um 
he's anointed with the expensive perfume and yeah. the, they're like, oh, you know, we should have sold this. And mm-hmm. he said, well, mm-hmm. even just this moment is going to be retold. Yep. And it was. For, right. Right now, <laughs> 2,000 years later. And we so it was. Yeah. Or like, you know, one of the most profound moments that I, I, I love and every time I read it, I like just break down because it's so beautiful is, um, so Peter denies Jesus three times and he mm. goes to the cross, right? And then after the resurrection, mm-hmm. they're out fishing because they kind of were like, well, we don't have this Jesus guy, so we're going to go back to what we do are good at, fishing. And so they are. And Jesus shows up in the lake and mm. Peter sees him and dives into the water and swims over there. And, and um, like, you know, Jesus has this moment where he says, do you love me three times mm-hmm. and feed my sheep? It's kind of like this, we call it like a reinstating of, of Peter. But yes. the most... I think beautiful moment of that he chose to do it over breakfast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like when you're eating toast in the morning like that can be a moment in an encounter with god that you would never expect and we don't think right. we expect to see jesus at church we don't expect right. to see jesus right. over toast yeah no. right and he, but i think like he prefers to have it over toast yeah. not in big churches for example that's a really good point yeah yeah Sounds really good. Hmm. That's a cool thing about our king and God. He's a pretty mm-hmm. neat guy. <laughs> He's pretty cool. Pretty neat. All right. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> Did you have anything you wanted to add to that, Julia? Oh, man. No, that was good, though. Like, I remember, was it, it might have been the Wilderness series that Mel was preaching about that exact moment, that, like, reinstating and, like, Jesus giving Peter that chance to, even after having denied him and been crucified and (laughs) resurrected, that he still gave him the chance to be like, all right, I, yes, I love you and I will rule over you and you will be my disciple still, like, even having said all of this. And I like that little over toast analogy, but that was fish for the record. Well, yes, (laughs) over (laughs) over fish, but for us, perhaps toast. (laughs) Toast. (laughs) But like, it also, I think, uh, instills the importance of being still with mm. God. Like even just just hearing you say that, like how often do I just like sit in the presence of my King? You know, because I've been going crazy, crazy busy, hundred miles an hour, and with Kendall not here this week, I felt the need to like rev it up and make sure things were taken care of. Um, and yeah, I mean that's not exactly relevant to we need a King at all. But I was just I was listening to that, and like we have a. We have a personal king, yeah. a personal, intimate king that we can have a fish and or toast, toast date with. with. Yeah. Well, and we need that personal king because it's like, I've got personal problems. Right. Right? Like, it's not like I've got these... Um, and I, I think we, in our today's culture, we like to take our personal problems and just put them on the general culture mm-hmm. and expect us to be able to solve things by fixing the general culture. And it's like, no, I've got sin in my life. You know, I think poorly of other people. I say terrible things about other mm-hmm. people. I'm really just slandering myself right now. Mm-hmm. So, but it's true. No, like, I did too. I deliberately know. disobey sometimes. Like, I, And it's, it's yeah. worse. It's worse to know and still right, disobey yeah. rather than be... But I don't need a king who can change society. I need right. a king who can yeah. change like my own heart. And you can mm-hmm. do both, actually. That's the great thing about it. Because when you change people's hearts, inevitably you start changing the society. Yeah. yeah I actually, like, you know, you were talking about slandering yourself. That's one of the things I've enjoyed the most about you're preaching so far. It's you just love a, it when I slander myself. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that Caleb guy, he really sucks. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> he sucks and he knows it. That's the best part. Well, I mean, just you, you're you're very honest from oh, from the sure. stage about the conflicts that you have yep. inside and that sort of thing. And I think that pastors in general could benefit a lot from being more like that more often. Right. Well, and how many people like feel excluded from the church because they think that whatever is going on in their life 
is too much. Right. Doesn't God apply too church. much. Yeah. Their belief is too little. Yeah. You know? Right. And, and, and even just also this idea that if you're a pastor or if your pastor is spending all this time building this big, beautiful glass house right. out of his image, mm -hmm. it's just waiting for that pedal to or that pebble to come and be a pedal. I mean, just the slightest touch of a flower pedal. <laughs> and it's just I was thinking the gas pedal, but that oh, works wow. too. Yeah. Right. right. Wow. I mean, there, there is sort of the like the misconception, particularly among people outside of the faith that pastors all have kind of like the leave it to beaver kind of family like yeah, the oh, yeah perfect everything and there's a reason for that misconception i think you know there's a reason for that stereotype and the more that stereotype is broken down i think it benefits people for feeling like they can come into the church and right. it also benefits pastors for not setting an impossible standard and becoming a hypocrite yeah. i mean so that's, that's or just hiding their junk right yeah yeah, yeah. not healthy right. either definitely right. for sure for sure so let's uh, let's let's do one more question here, and I think we're gonna turn this into a part one, part two kind of deal. Um, so we talked a little bit about the danger of looking to a person or a human being as mm. king instead of looking to God as king. Now I want to know if you've ever had a situation where somebody has looked to you as their highest leader, as as their top mm. leader. Oh yeah. And if you have a situation like that, how do you resist? feeling like how do you resist how good it feels to sort of fill that spot for them mm -hmm. how do you resist that and then if you don't resist it or if you haven't resisted it in the past how did that turn out for you hmm. one i can think of um it was a, a dating relationship that i was in and the person like would do anything to make sure that i was happy which is not healthy by any stretch of the imagination um, but I was totally okay with it, right? Right. It made me feel great. Right. Um, and, and we were both Christians, too, but it wasn't like they weren't going to God for anything. They were coming to me for everything. Um, and moreover, the danger of it is, like they said, they would do anything to make me happy mm -hmm. um, or, or stick around, at least, right? And and the hard part of, about that relationship was, like, the only way to solve it was to get out of it because I had mm -hmm. become God. And because right. of that, a lot of dangerous and bad habits had formed. That that's like the right. only way is to separate in that situation. And was like a kill for my own ego because it's like, this is great, right? Right. <laughs> um, but it was necessary for me. It was necessary for them um, because it's like when we start putting people in places of God, like we as humans naturally will gladly take that up. Mm -hmm. Like if mm -hmm. you make someone mm -hmm. God in your life, like it feels good to be God for someone. Um, and so like we have to be very careful of that. And that happens to me with churches. It's like I people perceive a really high standard. Like there's a high standard set for pastors for sure. Um, and people perceive me to be a fountain of wisdom and knowledge. And I think sometimes forget that I'm like a 26 year old <laughs> who like doesn't know how to pay his taxes particularly well, <laughs> right? And it's like, they've lived for like 75 years. And that's not to diminish my own wisdom. It's like, because presumably anyone who's been seeking the Lord can have wisdom to yeah. say, but it's like they live life for 75 years. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they rely on me instead of being able to do it themselves to hear God speak and that mm -hmm. can become dangerous for sure for sure yeah what are your thoughts on that Julia I don't have anything as obvious um, when I think of ways that I've maybe been put in a king or queen position I was well I was super prideful in high school with like athletic performance especially so anytime that I got um, 
you know, compliments, pat on the back, like, man, you're so talented, like, you're so athletic, I'd be like, yeah, I sure am, you know what I mean, like, <laughs> um, and honestly, God taught me great lessons on that in college, because I was very humbled, and I was a bench warmer at a Division three school, and it wrecked my identity to pieces, um, but that's not necessarily with a particular person, but I am the oldest of four girls, um, and whenever that whole like complex of all these younger sisters looking to an older sister, mm-hmm. um, I guess I can say that me feeling like the king or queen or the person that they looked up to for like guidance and you know tried to live up to, it's etc. It was pressure not to share my junk with any of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like yeah, that's the- I couldn't. I I couldn't, especially if it was within the realm of, like, dating relationships or sexual temptation, because they were, like, significantly younger than me. So I was like, ah, I guess... And, like, I grew up in the Catholic Church, too, and my mom came from, like, a strict German Catholic home, and, like, nobody talked about junk. So whenever I was put in this, like, goody-two-shoes, good church girl, athletic, does all things, it was like, I couldn't share my junk with anybody but, like, the really bad misfits, because I felt better about myself. And that wasn't a healthy place to be necessarily either. Different examples, but those are the ones that came to my mind. Yeah, I mean, I completely sympathize with that sense of, um, you know, because you don't have to, you don't have to be behaving improperly or casting yourself as like a as a god replacement for mm-hmm. people to just naturally want to put right. you there yeah. and it's um, fun to be there too <laughs> right right it's, easy. it's good to be liked good to be desired <laughs> for <Big> sure fan. <laughs> yeah 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 and then i mean if you you want to talk about like pressure to hide your junk mm-hmm. like that's that you'll, it'll really hit you there so it's always a good idea to avoid doing that hey listen um that's going to wrap up our first episode here just want to remind you guys, if you're listening to this and you're in the Indiana area, to come out to United Ooh. Tuesday nights at 7.27 p.m. You can see us there. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm 28 years old, and so I'm sort of on the upper end of the uh, age spectrum there, and I wasn't sure how I was going to take to it. But, I mean, there's some really talented speakers coming in there and sharing very useful things. And so I think you guys need to check it out when you can get out there and come say hi to everybody thank you (laughs) 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 thank you all for joining us today and we will see you in the next episode thanks for listening to the ULOC podcast presented by United IUP if you would like to join our community, visit unitediup.com or follow us on Instagram at unitediup. United meets every Tuesday at 7:27 p.m. in the Indiana Theater located at 637 Philadelphia Street in Indiana, PA. Come live united.